You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello there and welcome to episode two of the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm going to be talking to Dan Evans who is, I think, an unsung hero of the comedy circuit. He's someone that, because he's he doesn't go up to Edinburgh and he doesn't sort of uh, tout himself around in, in on Facebook and in email and those kind of marketing ways that uh, a lot of people do, uh, increasingly myself included, um, he's someone that you might never have heard of, but he is nonetheless a, a really excellent comedian. He specialises in, in almost magic bullet jokes of just beautiful little one-liners that really paint a picture in your head. So it's not just wordplay, but they're really... If, if if you haven't uh, seen any of him, I don't know if he has anything on YouTube, but it's worth putting him into Google and finding out when uh, when he's gigging. Uh, he's normally based, I think, in London and around the southeast, but uh, I'm sure he travels. Make an effort to go and see him. If you like Milton Jones, uh, if you like Gary Delaney, then Dan Evans is someone you should definitely be, be checking out. So we're going to talk about writing short jokes. We're going to talk about uh, writing for other people. Uh, and Dan's uh, perceived lack of people skills. He's frequently saying throughout the chat that... Um, oh, the chat, God, it's so partridge. He's frequently saying throughout the interview that um, he, uh, he he's always kind of going, God, that sounds awful. I must sound like a terrible human being. I must sound really pompous. But I'm sure you will see, as, as I experience, his enormous personal warmth. I think he's such a lovely bloke. Um, we talk about the, the comedian's need for approval. And uh, and how that's a, a shared aspect of uh, our joint, or our, not joint, our, our separate but similar. Uh, what's the word? What, what's the origin? There we go. I was thinking of it like superheroes, like our, our origin stories. Um, it's to do with the, the need for approval and also the, the need to fill conversational silence. So maybe if you uh, if you're a comic and you. Uh, identify with that maybe this will will be of particular interest to you dan has some fascinating views on the audience and their similarity to a popular insect so look out for them and uh, he'll also be talking about how he gets his brain in gear for the act of of writing uh, and uh, also another thing to look out for uh, is his use later in the interview of the phrase in the end we're all dead so uh, <laughs> when you get beep your horn if you're driving to a gig or loudly play some music when you get to that part uh, in, in appreciation of this uh, absolute cynicism, which manages to be quite warm-hearted. 
Um, other little bit of admin things just for 30 seconds before we get stuck in uh, this show was recorded as was episode one at the Top Secret Comedy Club in Covent Garden in London so thank you very much to Mark Rothman the, the owner and uh, runner of that club for the runner a stupid phrase uh, the owner and promoter of that club for letting us be there um, it's a really excellent comedy club so if you're listening to this from the point of view of a comic get yourself booked there because it's just underground and exciting and it feels like a very exciting place to be doing comedy at the moment uh, and if you're a, if you're a punter uh, an audience member or a human as we also call them uh, try and uh, google them I think they're the top secret comedy club at uh, the, the top secret comedy club .co.uk have a search for that I'm sure you can google it up um, but that's a really exciting comedy club so thanks Mark for letting us record in there um, the next few chats probably the rest of this series aren't going to be recorded in front of an audience like this one is it's a bit of a faff trying to put together a, a, a club trying to get an audience in to see a podcast and I'm not much of a promoter however these skills are set to be tested at the Edinburgh Festival as I'm very excited to announce that the Comedians Comedian Live is going to be happening at the Gilded Balloon all throughout Edinburgh on Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays at 12.30 so it's a lunchtime show uh, and confirmed guests about which I'm incredibly excited already include a bandman, Rod Gilbert Pappies are going to come along and, and talk to me about sweating and playing the guitar, no doubt. Uh, Josh Widdicombe says he's going to come along. That's great. Uh, who else have I spoken to? I'm sure there's someone else I'm really excited about. Terry Alderton uh, is going to come along. So uh, I'm sure you can already buy tickets for that now. Or if you can't, you will be able to soon at www.edfringe.com. So very excited about that. So uh, by the time we get to Edinburgh, I will be really up and running uh, in, a, in a live kind of way. But the next few episodes are going to be sort of pre-recorded. And I'm going to be chatting to the comics uh, that I speak to where they write, where they do their writing. We have a new website, uh, as you'll have heard at the beginning of this is www.comedianscomedian.com uh, and also you can tweet me at comcompod c-o-m-c-o-m-p-o-d so please tweet me at comcompod if you're a comic and you're enjoying this and you have an enormous fan base please big it up to the world uh, i'm very excited to find out from google analytics that the show has been downloaded as far afield as singapore and uh, america uh, as well as the uk and there was somewhere else a couple of people in switzerland as well so if one of you is chris hemmons hello so uh, do shout it from the rooftops, please. I'm increasingly realising that I'm going to have to market this properly uh, in order that people get to hear it. So uh, please do that. Uh, all help gratefully received. And please email me at info at stuartgoldsmith.co.uk if you have any questions or suggestions for people about whom you would like me to speak. About whom? To whom you would like me to speak. Thanks very much. Here's the show. That's enough guff from me. I hope you enjoy it. This is Dan Evans. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, or more specifically, lady, uh, please welcome to the Comedians Comedian Podcast, Mr. Dan Evans. Thank you very much. And Thank that, you. You're more than welcome. What we'll do there is we'll dub on some applause. And okay. Then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll freely admit to the audience, as I'm doing now, yeah. that there is no one here. There is uh, Tom, the sound man's lovely wife, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> She's knitting. It's pretty yes. awesome. If we really get going, she'll stop knitting if it gets any yeah, quality. Keep, keep an yeah. eye, keep an eye yeah. on Sarah. If the needles stop moving, then <laughs> we're off. So I think of you as a one-liner guy. Now, you, you do have longer jokes than one-liners, but you are one of the few people, I think, who can effectively tell a joke, like a very short joke, who can effectively write and tell a very short, punchy joke. Yes, and I think, I suppose that's what I am, and it's probably mainly because I have 
come from a you you're very comfortable on stage on the street talking to strangers everything yes. it's one of your things and yes. it feels like that's really what you are mm-hmm. whereas i'm terrified if i go more than 30 seconds without some sort of response even yes. after all these years i think i may be dying i when may you be say doing all these badly years, how long have you been going it's difficult because people fudge their start date, don't they? From they do. their first ever gig to when they first started taking it seriously to when they first got paid for it. Mm-hmm. But let's say that, you know, if I said 15 years, which sounds awful, it makes me feel sick when I say it. <laughs> does it really? Yes, you don't it does. feel proud that you've been. That you, um, you're, you're 15 years good at it, surely? I'd say I'm probably seven years good at it. Okay. I know. <laughs> okay. it's, just, it's just that thing where you. What else could you do? After a few years doing it, you think, yeah. well, I've bailed out of what I did. Yeah, all that's open to me now is working in Waterstones or something, or you know, or a minimum wage job. Yeah, I don't. I'm you know, I'm out of the loop now. So you've got you've got people skills. No, I've got people skills. You've got you people skills. Yeah, I've okay, got the opposite gotcha. of people. Yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> object <laughs> skills. I can make a whole lot of people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> but okay, so you've so you've been doing it for, for between seven and fifteen years. No, no, I, I'd say but I'd say fifteen plus, but okay. it's a fudgy start time thing. Sure, and and. In that time, you said you've been you've been doing this for so long. <laughs> I've forgotten what you just said to me. I'm sorry. I've just noticed this is incredibly boomy. Is that? It's become like, boomy. It's, it's become it's changed. Are it's you getting angrier? Boomy. I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Is well, that, is no, that, well, that sounds fine. Over. I mean, I can't hear it anymore. As long as you're all right with it, that's fine. It just yeah. it was se- yeah. starting to sound weird. What was the point you were making before? You'd done it for 15 I, I years. I was saying about that. I veered towards one. Like, I mean, they're the things that make me laugh anyway. Yes, but. It's about fear of not having constant approval, so need- which is why I also really admire acts that don't uh, that do stories and stuff like that because they're showing such a commitment to it, you know. But do you not think that you? I mean, I think a lot of acts that do stories are thinking, "God, I wish I could write short jokes." Oh yeah, I think part of this job is being permanently dissatisfied and always thinking, <laughs> "I'm the way I do it is the wrong way." Yeah. You it's know. really easy to think that, isn't it? Because when yeah. you've got no, you've got no overarching, uh, you've got no boss. You've not, you've got to make your own goals. You've got to make your own plans. You've got to be your own boss. You've got to run this whole infrastructure. I always think, I always think that about comedy, particularly when people say, "Oh, I've been promoted." Yeah, work, you know, friends of mine who with real jobs have been promoted, or they've yeah. got a different office, or they've they've moved on somehow. And you think, "Oh God, yeah." I, went, I remember yes, last year, I uh, I kind of notionally promoted myself. To being creative director, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that I felt like, so that I felt like, oh yeah, I'm kind of. Well, I suppose our equivalent is just is you move up a notch in terms of people wanting you, don't you? Or yes, or you do TV stew like you did earlier this year, of course. Yeah, and I have to say, you came out of it very well. Thank you very much. That's out of the uh, process. That's yeah. that. That sentence is exactly yes. what I've heard from everyone. I came out of it, which does yes. at least prove that I came out of it, <laughs> and I did so well. So I, I think I acquitted myself. I think it's probably right. that you're just not the sort of person to say something a bit cocky that they can use then probably out of context to make that the kind of I think, big thing of the week. I think that is the case. Yeah. But uh, we'll continue this bit of the chat yes. later. Okay. Um, so in terms of, in terms of your, your output, how did you start? Let's, let's go back to the beginning. How did you start doing comedy? You said you sort of fudged the, the start date. But what was it that attracted it to you? Were you a funny guy? Are you funny in the pub? Are you funny with your friends? Or did you decide to yourself... I, it's funny because when you look back on it, you think... I kind of remember holding court in the pub and things like that. But then I also, whenever I'm in a pub with people and there's somebody just cracking wise, mm. nothing grates more. And at my age, yeah, it's funny, exactly isn't it? You go, you and I think to myself, that wasn't me, was it? Because there's nothing worse in the world than somebody who doesn't actually listen to what you're saying mm-hmm. and is waiting for you to finish so mm-hmm. that they can then say something else. I'm sure I wasn't like that. 
And like the old man I am, I think that's actually in the ascendant now. People on transmit a lot more than yes. receive. But so I think I was was funny in that. But context. But you don't remember being no. gratingly funny in the pub. You do, you think that you were no, funny I in the pray pub. In a I kind of debonair yeah. rapier like. I tell you what it was. It, it's probably all through kind of insecurity and all that. But I I always felt responsible for silence in a small group of people in a pub. As soon as silence happened, I would think it's my job to fill this silence. Which probably comes from a lack of confidence or something. That Other people just go, well. I think that is genuinely a quite beautiful and poetic way of putting it. I feel exactly the same thing. I feel, it's like it, things could be awkward now, and I yes. need to solve oh, that yes, somehow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, isn't that interesting? That that's that's a starting point, I think, for both of us. And yet we do do wildly different types of things yeah. like that. I, I would think of that as being something that that motivates my. Like I think I'm pretty good at small talk. And I think yes. that was one of my origins, which is why now I can talk to an audience and I can, I can chat and I'm personable and I can stop mm. people in the street and make them listen and turn them into an audience because I can do small talk. And yeah. I believe the root of that is, is worrying about silence. And yet similarly, you, you've come out of, you know, you've gone through your, your sort of comedy experience to this point, growing an ability to zap with, you know, to write jokes and like the little bombs. I mean, the funny thing in a way is, it, were that... Were I in that situation now, I would. I, I now the age I am now, I I couldn't care less about that. If if there's a silence of conversation, I just think, well, it's not my fault if these people can't be bothered <laughs> to put the effort in this conversation. So I wouldn't possibly, I wouldn't come from that route now at all. Where mm. I start now, but I think that's the sort of the original route was just to fill silence, not with jokes, but just with kind of just trying to make sure people got along and stuff. You know, the impulse to, yes, to speak like me. Yeah. as well is a yeah. kind of big thing I th- that's definitely that's definitely true of a lot of comedians I don't know if I can think of many comedians who don't seem to care whether or not you like them yes or if they do it's an artifice anyway isn't it and yeah. they're just trying to push some cool button because they think that's the flavour yeah. of the month yeah so what were your what were your first experiences like of, of specifically of writing and performing jokes? well it's when I started well I started because um, two friends a year before I started did a a, one of these, sta- one of the original kind of stand-up courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't say the comedian who ran it. Um, one of them's still doing it; the other isn't. But um, and I, I did that with a friend, and we did a six-week course in that. And just just the fact that you had to stand in front of people for two minutes each week, mm-hmm. just you know, you you have no choice but to just start scurrying stuff down and hoping some of it makes sense, you know. And was that was that in in joke form at the time? Were you trying to write? Do you remember the sorts of jokes you you were I writing, was, or were there observations on things? Or I, I think you often start off with it wasn't really observations because I don't notice things as a rule. I don't. I am without going into any detail. My upbringing makes me. I am an outsider in my mind. Okay. That's, Would you mind going into detail on that? Because that sounds very interesting. It's, well, it's tricky just to say that I had an odd childhood. Okay. Uh, with reasonably traumatic, without writing a book about it. Sure, so, <laughs> sub misery lit. Yes, not even not good enough, not miserable <laughs> enough to be misery lit. It didn't even have okay. that asset to it. So, though I people in a way that people look at you and think of you as incredibly straight mm-hmm. in inverted mm-hmm. commas, and you aren't for reasons we won't go mm-hmm. into now. But likewise, people would often brand me with some kind of lazier people, kind of toff thing, perhaps mm-hmm. a, you know, a Cockney act in the early days might be backstage with me and go, oh, it's little Lord Fauntleroy, which is kind of absurd. But it isn't what I am. But the fact that I have that kind of outsider thing means I was never going to come from the root of, oh, your wife isn't allowed in the loft, or we all have drawers full of things. (laughs) It took me a minute to to realise what you meant, that that being a a traditional root of your wife not being allowed in the loft. (laughs) 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 To to me, that's not necessarily something I would recognise. No, you know, that that sort of thing where you kind of go, oh... 
uh, or it f- feels hollow when you say it. In the same way it feels hollow if I'm ever comparing someone, I'd never go on stage and say, all the ladies in the house make some noise, because yeah. as it came my ma- out can't of my mouth, to hear it would just speak. feel... Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it just feels totally artificial. So I suppose I was yeah. just scurrying down anything that I thought was, was entertaining, and it, a lot of it was wordplay mm-hmm. in the first instant. Because mm-hmm. um, in a way, I... I've been doing it for longer than you, but it would still probably apply to you that when we started, it wasn't the everywhere thing it is now. No. So my knowledge of it would have been from Friday Night Live, The Comedians or something, which was just so not where I was anyway. Sure. There wasn't any direct stand-up. We didn't know about Ameri- cool American acts, because back in my day, that would have meant somebody having a record. Yes, you know, yes. so it would have been sort of Python records or things like that. So there sure. wasn't there wasn't a stand up core that I could look at and go, I mean, I th- "Oh, that's interesting. I'll do that." Yeah, I think for me, the the, the earliest piece of stand up I remember seeing was uh, Lenny Henry's Live and Unleashed album, which I had on cassette. Yes, it was exactly. a 1989 yes. tour, and I remember listening to it back to back on the on like a school trip. But exactly, there was no kind of, and there was no idea of how you'd get into it. Now, they, you know, in terms of just, I mean, the first time I ever saw it was would have been at. Um, first year at college and John Hegley the Popticians played and oh. we just went along we just thought that's great but none of, none of the group I was in thought oh I wonder how you might do that it just wasn't sure. on the radar this is, this is one of the things that I, I it's kind of a, a thing I keep coming back to which is that I have trained in all sorts of performance things but the you know I've done I've been to college and I've done courses and all sorts of stuff but I've done absolutely no training in stand up and stand up seems to me to be something that you invent yourself and the only people that do it are people who saw someone doing it it's much like street performing they saw someone do it and they went i could do that and then yeah. they just sort of went out and threw themselves at it yeah and in some way which I, I think is is different now there may be a trend now to think that there is a way that you do it there's a way that you learn it there's a yes there's, there's a way you have your hair and there's certain trousers that you well, wear. A, a friend actually it was george was saying that he bumped into a new act in brighton who asked him if he'd done this particular course which mm-hmm. obviously he hadn't mm-hmm. and because he said i recognize your rant and it was in the right position as, oh my god! Uh, so the idea is that you do you do two thirds of your show in whatever it is, and then you have your rant. But the idea that it could ever be that mechanical is obviously absurd. I mean, the, then maybe the courses have a benefit in as much as you have a deadline, and yes. you will look an idiot if you haven't done something. Yes, and you have to stand in front of people. It has to become more than sure. just you know. But beyond that, and did you? Did you... So that's not a very good question, is it? Do you think on uh, Jonathan Ross and so forth, they edit out the bits where he goes... <laughs> maybe they do, maybe they're not. But did, were you inspired by particular people? Like After you'd started, were you gigging? Were you like an open spot in rooms yes, where well, headliners, you just went, ah, oh, they've got it? I, well, yes, well, we, it's funny because in, back in that day, and just before I started, when I started going to like the Crouch, uh, the King's Head and mm-hmm. the Red Rose and the Banana with the three we used to go to, and there weren't that many acts around that often you'd have an act come on stage and you'd feel a whole audience go either, oh, it's this guy, I've seen him yeah, before, or okay. either kind of, oh, 20 minutes of this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they just think, oh, sure. get through this. Oh, we know what this but is, yeah. when I started doing open spots, I'd, I'd you always do the calf, mm-hmm. the comedy calf, and it was, a sti- it was a stage where Tim Vine was just coming into the ascendant with what he was doing, so he was winning the competition every week. Okay. So, of course, that veered me strongly towards This is the, the comedy calf Wednesday night, yes. new act night, yeah. where the winner then comes back the following week. Yes. Yes. And that was, so that was, I really remember him from those days, and, and also an action I just think so underrated, and is just so great, Noel James. Yes. Oh, my God. Who's Noel's just like one of the most underrated acts. Yeah. He's, he's almost, I mean, he's an ultimate comedian's comedian, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he's just, he's just, He's just so 
just so good at you know just jokes you know yeah and you know so i was very inspired when i saw him as well for the first time and and did you i mean that's interesting my I was inspired by people who I have uh, grown up to be nothing like. Like, I always remember my big inspiration was Simon Munnery. I used to love oh, Simon yes, Munnery. I went to Edinburgh. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I'm going to start writing jokes and yes, I'm going to end up like Simon Munnery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I, I, thought yeah. that's, I thought that's where I would yeah. go. But so you, you, your idols were, or not idols, but the yeah. people who inspired you were doing the sort of thing that, that you now specialise in. You kind of went, that, that's it. It's short jokes. Is that because yes, you but felt... Yes, but then I, I, I suppose maybe, again, it was because when I saw somebody like Bill Bailey, who was doing the circuit at the time, who was just fantastic, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't ever see myself in that, doing what he was doing, you know, a bit of music and just sort of, the, just having the, the balls to go away from the boom-tish bit and just go into this odd stream of yeah. whatever. I just thought, I suppose I clung onto lines thinking, oh, I, I know what they are, I could do those, yeah. you know. Which is, and then oh. after a few years, you think, well, if I change what I do now, fundamentally, I've got to write the whole lot again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how's that going to happen? I, you know? I do love the way uh, that comedy is always, uh, it's always constrained within incredibly bottom-line kind of parameters. Well, you know, <laughs> like, at the end of the day, yes. I've got the act. It's yes. written. I may as well do the act. <laughs> so let's talk about writing then. What, do you... Do you find that you write in a similar format each time does it all uh like do you do you have a methodology of writing no and i it's funny because i remember hearing a thing about it's a bit like uh, there's a thing i remember an interview with richard curtis that was sort of that was a very nice he, he basically talks about when he writes what he does he just prevaricates all day until it gets yes. to around about four or half four and then the the, the weight of it behind him is just so immense that he just has to start. There's, think, no, there's no joyous, oh, I could do some writing. It's just eventually just becomes crushing. And he I think, I think Douglas just, Adams did the yeah, same thing. Just yeah. sort of putting it off and then going, uh, I, suppose, I, 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 I suppose in a way, when you've been doing it for a while, you kind of, I mean, the thing I always do is have a notebook or a, you know, my phone with a notepad there. And I, or anything that even strikes me as remotely amusing, mm-hmm. in any format, I will put down. And, and then what seems to get me writing is deadlines. I compare three places a month regularly okay. for a compa who really, over a promoter who really trusts me. Okay, and so basically, I often pull the ideas together that day or in the car. To, not to my credit, but because I've become comfortable with the audiences there. Yes, touch wood. <laughs> um, it, it often it, the lazy way. It's starting to come together sometimes on stage, which is is that is that a, that's interesting. That you would refer to that as a lazy way. Might that not just be that 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 process is really organic. Some, one of the things I was talking to Rob uh, Deering about was the idea of, uh, of crisis, the panic of having s- some people there that you have to impress. Yes. Giving you an extra... Just g- giving you that leg yeah. up that gets you over the, over the wall and into funny. Well, and, well there's another thing. If you, exactly, there's that. And then sometimes, if you're really lucky, and it can happen in a, if you're talking with somebody just riffing and you just really mm. feel comfortable with them, but if it, you're really comfortable on stage, sometimes something falls out of your mouth... And there's been no conscious knowledge of yes. it. I remember doing this little tiny gig in a pub a year and a half ago. And, this, and I, was, I just said, I, I talked to this guy and what he did, and he worked for a toy factory. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it, and I said, oh, who's it? And it was the people who made a- an action man. And I said, oh, I had an action man. And the guy next to him just went, no, you didn't. You had a dolly. And I, just without thinking, I said, all right. It, 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 was a, it was a Cindy, but my mother scraped the tits off with a hot knife. And he got a big <laughs> laugh. <laughs> uh, but it just came out of my mouth, and I didn't. There was no process. Yes, and the, the, I even did the, the you know the one I do about the inflatable hammer toy from the fair. 
yes, yes, that, I do. I improvise I, would you, that. Would you mind just telling us for the I, sake of the listener? It's a lovely joke. It's a joke. I, I don't they'll try and do that much sort of sexual stuff, but when I do, it's supposed to be from an odd angle. Mm-hmm. And when it does, when an audience don't pick up on that and just go, you're a freak, which has happened a couple of times, you yeah. kind of feel like going, just putting the brakes on and going, the kind of joke is that it's from an odd angle, you fool. Yes. It's not... But you can't do that because yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it shows they might have got under your yeah. skin. But, and I, it's just saying about uh, sexual fantasy being going down, going down the fair, winning one of those enormous inflatable novelty hammers, rushing home, stripping naked, unpopping the stopper and squeezing it over your body because you know it's the breath of a real gypsy. Yeah. And... and <laughs> But I, I improvised that in, yeah. in a club I didn't even like. Oh my god! But just it just fell improvised out of my mouth from nothing. From... Yes, I know. I, I guess maybe ah. the I guess the seeds were there, yeah. and, it, and they had been bouncing you'd around been at a bit. Fair, you'd seen yes. a hammer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, you know what I mean. Must, the seeds must have been there, and it must have it must have coalesced. I must have been thinking, mm. how can I? I had a weirder joke that preceded it. I won't go with the Victorian engineer one. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was an extension of that. So it was already having... It already had a sort of open end that needed closing, that yes. joke. So it kind of just stumbled out like that. Do you find, in, in terms of, like, uh, our quality control, do you find these, these jokes that have just come to you out of nowhere, are you more fond of them than jokes that you've scraped away at? Because presumably, I mean, presumably there's another, there's another type of joke where, which is a joke where you've written and written and written. Yes, um... I don't, I'm just so glad of any joke that works because the thing people don't remember is if you're kind of Mr. Man of the People who just mm-hmm. chit-chats and everybody loves you, you've got five minutes with everything. Every idea you come up with is five minutes, isn't it? Yeah, Whereas course. if you just do jokes, you can be left with 20 seconds. You know, and so for the, the effort, it's just not really fair. Yeah. It's like the curse of not being able I do, to be... I, I have something like four or five one-liners and I love them so much. And I just... I, I just love my job because they're my only proper jokes and those are the jokes that make me feel like a proper comedian, albeit one who's written one good joke a year for his career. Um, the thing I have found fascinating recently, and it's funny coming into Christmas party season because I noticed it last night, mm-hmm. is I like jokes where a picture is in the... You paint a picture in the mind. Yes. Somebody sees something in the mind because you say the words. But then the drunk of the audience or the less comedy grammar literate the audience are in other words mm-hmm. the less frequently they come or the less corralled they are by a decent environment mm-hmm. the less they can paint those pictures so if you get the end of an evening and you, you're going blah, 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 and basically they're supposed to conjure up this you've picture you've got to imagine the thing happening in order go, to oh, realise do that anymore place, yeah. do the ladies in the house thing again we like that because mm-hmm. we could shout mm-hmm. and then you know there's, there's one joke I've got do you know the joke um, a joke about uh, a neighbour having a Chihuahua. I was short of money. Neighbour has a chihuahua running around the garden. I had an idea. I hopped over the so I borrowed it. I entered it into a race at the Greyhound Stadium, not far from where I lived. And much to everybody's surprise, it won, crossing the line first between the jaws of the dog that came second. <laughs> and I think that the you know, the reason why that tends to work, I think, is because way back the film, what was the film called? Uh, Fish called Wanda. Okay, had a scene in it where Doberman stole a little dog and ran off down the street within its mouth. And I think the re- that has helped that joke 10% because enough people have that somewhere in the back There's of their the picture brain is already that they can there, picture that they a dog go, with a small dog. Like. Yes, so I think it's aided by that tiny... That's incredible, Remember really? That? Yes, I do, I think that. Wow. I think that's true, I think that's helpful. Yeah, that. it might well be because I, I, th- I agree with you about painting mental pictures like one of my one-liners is a pun it's uh, the pun about my, my granny who's called Vera that's not her name but we call her that because she can't walk in a straight line and it's an unusual yeah. pun but it's a satisfying it's a pitching, a pitching, kind of a yes. one exactly yeah uh, yeah that's that's uh, so so do you find that the jokes you've slaved over and the jokes that just 
came out that just fell out of your mouth. Do you afford any time to thinking, right, how can I make more jokes fall out of my mouth? Do you mean, how can I put myself in a state where that happens? Or do you think, well, uh, yes, I, got, I got lucky there, but actually it's back to the, you know, back to the, the, the grindstone. Well, the sad thing is, I've realised fairly recently that I think there are some really basic things that um, make that the case. The first one, and it sounds so ridiculously obvious, but I drink too much. Okay. I just do. And if, if, if I've drunk the night before a bottle of wine plus... Mm-hmm. I just, I, don't, I just don't spark. Of course I don't. Okay. How, why would I? You know, yeah. If I have a big meal with lots of bread and cheese in it, <laughs> well, all your blood goes from your brain to your stomach to yes. work the muscles and stuff. All these things are just so fundamental. People don't even think about them or they would mock them. Yeah. You know, but, and also, get, get somewhere where you, you can put your phone out of view so then you don't see the phone and constantly fiddle with it and check your emails and mm-hmm. stuff. All these things which people don't, and just try and get in the zone. You're of talking what you're about doing. In, in the writing, yeah, the writing thing itself, rather yeah. than performing. Yes, okay. Yeah. So, um, so yes, that think things like that just get your brain in the right gear, you know. So, what 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 does a, a typical week's writing look like for you? What, how how for how long do you write? When in the day do you do it? Well, so, in a way, I'm I'm not as lazy as I come across. I, I have a I kind of do about a day and a half writing topical jokes for someone mm-hmm. um which involves If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today. That's j u v e d e r m.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Involves me having a deadline. Mm-hmm. And I also, because when you get the job, first of all, you try very hard, you then set a bit of a stupid precedent, which you can only gradually reduce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you obviously you do well over time with the first few weeks. You think, I really yeah. must make a good impression. Then you go, oh, God. Yeah. Um, so... And I, it's funny because I do a day where I'll look through papers and I'll just, as soon as I know what the idea of the joke is, mm-hmm. I'll move on and write the other, the next idea. And I'll have a day where I've written only the, the roughest, quickest typing way of like sort of so, I don't know, sort of um, Libya, they're always firing guns in there. Yeah. Triply hot air ballooning club must be in trouble. And, okay. you know, and rather than go, oh, let me spend quarter of an hour crunching it exactly okay. now. Because I've worked out that that's a gear change. And if, if, if you do everything in kind of 
oh, the ideas are coming. I'll just type it down, type it down, type it down. And then the next day you spend half that time, like four or five hours, just really thinking, oh, is that the briefest way? Is that the right person narrating it? Did it happen to him or me or an observed person? And you just play with it with a word processor again and again and again, maybe ten times. Okay. And then it goes, and it's, oh, that's right, yes. And then you move on. Then you do a final revision. But I'm very into the idea of just channeling it. Sure, you know and get, that, that is genuinely fascinating. But that's having, not something that would ever occur to me. Going all right, I have a flat hour during the day, and so if I start feeling flat about it, mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. I'll just keep trying at it, and then you know, and I'll have another coffee now. And, and sure. uh, so, I, I, sometimes they'll be fully written when they come out first, or either they'll be just okay. So, well, you know, going going back to the day with the papers, what, do you do you get certain papers? Do you get all the papers? Do you skim them? Do you just because, read because the first ten the job, pages of each? This is what What's the, the job is? It's sort of it's the more red top end of things okay so there's no point wasting time on things that matter <laughs> okay but i still i still sure. I, I still wonder i don't know whether the the country is obsessed with x factor and things that drive me absolutely they don't drive me anything because they're just nothing mm-hmm. they're nothing to me they're nothing they shouldn't be anything to anybody mm-hmm. and yet or you whether, have to or whether I, I think the papers use them because itv send them two pages that they can copy and mm-hmm. paste into the newspaper so They'll use that because it's, it's, it's not news. It's just easy, isn't it? Sure. So that's why they do it. But I'd like to think that the, whenever in a live context, when everybody mentions the X Factor, there's no appetite for it in an audience, which I really like. Yes. Hopefully that's – maybe I'm just playing nicer clubs than I used to. But yes. in the early days of Big Brother, people go on and go, who do you like in Big Brother? Everybody go, oh, Tony, Tony. Yeah. Oh, I don't like Tony. And you kind of think, well, this is <laughs> – And we'll never get to know exactly what this is uh, because the technology broke down at that point and uh, we stopped recording only for a couple of seconds. Uh, so I'm going to play that rather lovely jazzy sting again and uh, link us back into where we picked up. You should be able to work out what's going on. Uh, but as I say, I can't honestly remember because we stopped recording. I uh, hope you're enjoying it. Speak to you soon. A lot of the audience will have no idea what deliverance is but they have they've yes. absorbed but it from they somewhere get, they else they get the trope they get yeah, the, they that get the trope. And, also, and can be applied to anything yes yeah can be applied to amersham at the end of the metropolitan line yes or anything yes. anything at all you That's know a very good you, example and it's kind of you just think this is just really there would be some people with the right amount of confidence and facial expressions could grunt in a certain tombra and get a, have a good 20 minutes yes that is the level so in a way we must almost forget about writing and think it's about it's truth. purely about Essentials a system of, of making rhythmical yes. noises yes. <laughs> yeah yeah yes in, in a way it's the way you react with an audience the way you interact with an audience at a level you don't even like i've got if i have dry skin mm-hmm. they might at some subconscious level perceive that as a, an animal weakness and i you know that sounds ludicrous but i don't think it is okay you speak too quickly when you get to the mic it looks desperate Yes. They don't trust you subsequently. And they don't sure. even know they're doing this. It's the first couple of seconds of being on stage, yeah. or the first second, is such a huge deal. When the, you smell them and they smell you, and oh. you, it is animal is exactly but the it, right the, word. The, the, it's one of the most fascinating things about this whole business is because it's one of the indefinables, isn't it? Mm. You can read all the books and all the courses you like, but it won't make a blind bit of difference because that is something mm. that you can... It's 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 weird because you can't. I, I found you sometimes stumble across something and you go, actually, I should do that, and you get it in my in your armor. I think you're different because I genuinely think you're upbeat. You like people. Mm. 
things are positive. You have a positive air about it. Sure, I mean, I do. I, yeah, I do. Yes, I like do. people. I try to, if I see a, an angry looking guy, I'll try to make friends with him because I think he probably wants to be friends on some level, but yes. he's covered in anger. Whereas, Whereas I often walk into a room like the one you're doing tonight, perhaps, and I might just look and go, these are just ants. They just turn <laughs> food into shit. <laughs> and here I am, you know, I'm being employed by them and we have nothing in common. Yeah. That's why I like But doing you're it. still desperate for their love, are you? I'm desperate. Or you're desperate for the love you give yourself if you make the yeah, ants happy that's enough. better. Yeah. And also, I suppose, I'm desperate to avoid something worse than heckling, which is just that indifferent lack of connection, which means you're a bloke reading a script yeah. for 19 minutes, yeah. which is an awful feeling for the mature comic. It's not about being terrified that they're shouting things at you. No. That at least is interaction. The mm. worst thing is just that indifference of hubbub. And you know, we don't really know what you're on about. Mm. So I, I don't think that bad. It sounds like I'm going to do a Hungerford and yeah. <laughs> this will be played on the news in a few weeks. That's one of the... It's always worth. And then he turned the gun on himself. <laughs> we, we've, we've covered lots and lots of different things there, which I'd like to try and remember and, and talk about. Yes, we sorry, were talking we're about... No, not, not at all. Um, fine. Oh, that's good. We are fine for time. Yeah. Uh, we've got a good uh, 12 to 17 minutes left of this, which oh, is good. good. Um, so let's go back to the, the topic of writing, because I think we, we one of our... Sidetracks, sidetracks being more interesting maybe than what we were talking about. That's fine. It's all good. Let's go back to uh, the topical stuff because you were saying that um, one of the your pet hates is that lazy topical material. Yeah. But there's, presumably, there's, so there's other other elements to it. So we're we're talking about whether or not you you read an article and you get several ideas out of it or one totally, idea. Totally varies. I've, what I've realised I don't thrive under pressure. I like the pressure of a deadline which I can meet. Okay. I don't like the pressure of something that's implausible. Sure. Um, and it's funny because when I've written on various kind of, I won't say rubbish because it's the wrong word, but, you know, various TV shows that, you know, are going to go out once or once and repeated and mm -hmm. they're, just, they're, never ex they're just a waste of time. They're just like wallpaper. Okay. Then you're in a room writing with other people and I find I very quickly become preoccupied with... How am I doing compared to them? Yes. Are they doing better than I've me? only done that one. I wrote yeah. for a radio show once in a room full of people all writing. I found it impossible to do it's because of my, my own ego and yeah. fragile ego and kind of sense and of... So like a, the I, one thing you're not yeah. concentrating on is the job you're there to do, which is to write. So that's why on my own, I don't mind, and I don't put any pressure on, I must have ten jokes on this story. I just, mm -hmm. I'll just read it without even thinking to try and comment on it. Mm -hmm. first and then you might find key things in there or or if there's an idea an idea of sort of the, the way the you know the strikes thing an angle so i might I'm just write down an angle and move on because i just don't want to slow down the process by trying to hone something that will ultimately be honeable but the process of honing it honing it can be depressing because it takes a quarter of an hour sure and, and it you, takes you i think you're absolutely right about that rhythms if you're in the, the yes, mode of yes. looking for angles i yes. something i do all the time is i sit down and i type away and i end up tweaking grammar of a joke that isn't, I don't even know if it's funny yeah. yet. The tweaking spelling and yeah. punctuation. So uh, well, you mustn't be hard on yourself because sometimes these are little things that we do while our brain is catching up or yes, going that, well, it's or, it's still writing, isn't it? Yeah. Even if you're not doing it, as long yeah. as you're sitting down thinking about it, you're still thinking but, about your job on one like, level. So say the, the, the sometimes quite broad idea. So if you've got a, the, the cabinet, so if you think of the cabinet currently telling dinner ladies that they shouldn't strike because they're having their pension reduced, the idea of uh, uh, you know, uh, an Eton millionaire having that opinion. Mm -hmm. Then there's some uh, an angle about um, about how he has he's, he's done many things for the poor, mm -hmm. and and, I, I, and you just start thinking, oh, uh, about giving him uh, 
a scholarship boy maybe strapped in front of the fire at Eton and him picking a marshmallow out of the ashes and giving it to him when the other boys are gone. Or something that is an absurd yeah, sure. sort of example of, of you, you stand up for somebody, yeah. but then you undercut it. You know, yes. you go, no, I think he's great because, and then you just spoil it, you know. Yeah. So you you would write down eat marshmallow question mark and move on. Yes, just well, to remind yourself. Now of the it's angle. coming out a little bit faster now. Okay, and what what sort of volume are we talking? How how many angles do you think you'll come out of a, a what a two hour session or a four hour session? What's the? I tend to do an hour and a half and then have a little wander around. An hour and a half, <laughs> a little wander around. around, around you're around, around your house. No, around? Costa. I go to Costa. Okay, which I don't know why. Okay, so, but you have a little wander around Costa every so often. Generic sort of environment <laughs> it's ever. Pretty it generic, be like a you know. Um, I suppose I, I would try and produce 50 jokes in a working day, okay. which, and I wouldn't think any of them were pure shit. Mm -hmm. You know, some of them would be inappropriate. So you the do, there, there is an amount of editing whereby you go, that's just, I've got an angle, but actually I can't bear to think about it. It's awful. Yes, like, rubbish. yes, if it's just a silly, you know, sure. pun about something, you just think, well, the only reason that would work is in ever is because people have it thrown at them quickly and they forget about it. But sure. Yeah, so. Yes, not absolute rubbish, but some things you think it's not really what they this person would go for. Sure. So you'd zoom through, you'd you'd get fifty down in what you'd do an hour and a half, have a little wander, another hour and a half. What, what yeah, kind of that, what kind of hours are we talking? Do, would you? Work? I don't know. Probably over sort of six or seven hours. That might be mm -hmm. fifty or sixty mm -hmm. little angles on things. And then the following day, having slept on them, not thought yeah, about them again, just or, not drunk that yeah. night, made an effort not to drink. Yeah, no cheese, no bread, um, no bread, no cheese. <laughs> a good night's sleep, and just get up and try and make sure you're not behind before you start by getting mm -hmm. up late and all that. So, do you think the 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 imposed discipline of having to uh, write such a volume for someone else, for someone else's uh, consumption, at someone else's command, say, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that has got your your own generator kind of up and running for your own... Have you, have you noticed that your own in, in output has increased because yes, of that? a little bit. I think because you partly... Um, you get a few offcuts, which you can use, and you think, oh, that would never work for them, I'll have it. Mm -hmm. You... It just your brain's more in that mode. You're less precious about jokes. You know when you start and you have kind of five minutes and you think this sort of works, mm -hmm. and you hold on to it, and it's... Even this, this time, it's hard to drop something that's working, isn't it? Because you just think, well, what if the new bit doesn't work so well? Yeah. But once you release things and go, I know I'm not going to be precious about jokes so much, mm -hmm. more kind of come because you don't hold on to the other joke or you're not thinking, yeah. you know, you're just letting things be freer, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and I, think writing for other, I think one of the tragedies about the job, you get a job writing for somebody else, you'll, sit, you'll be paid for a day and you'll sit there and you'll gladly go nuts for a day. Mm -hmm. And then the next day it's your day, and you get up late and you piss around and do nothing. Yeah. And then you know it's just it's just one of those things. But I think in a way, part it's because you can know somebody else's angle better. So yes. I, okay. I wrote for a, a Joe Coalfield radio show, and you mm -hmm. kind of know, oh, she's a bit bitchy, which mm -hmm. is not too much. And sure. With that angle, you can kind of see where she's coming from and generate quite a lot of stuff. And in terms of your own angle, do you feel you have an angle, or is that what what arrests the I've, process? I, I've, I've arrived at one. You see, it's a shame because some people have really crisp ones like they're a bit of a toff or a little bit anal or they're a little bit sure. this or a little bit that or a lot of attitude or whatever. But it's sort of... I'm a slightly odd bloke, I suppose, slight outsider. Mm -hmm. But you never get as crisp an idea of it as other people, which is probably why it's often yes. easier if somebody says, can you yes. do me a day's writing of jokes? You do, do you find then that you're ever questioning your own personality, your, your persona on stage or your actual personality, you're going, is that the sort of thing I say? Is that what I think? Does that come into it? Or is it just a case of, is this, is, 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 is this idea funny or not? I think I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with the idea of refining persona and deciding mm. to find it more crisply. Uh, the thing I would love to get is the, what clothing to wear. So I not, would I'm love not, to know what clothing yes. to wear. The reason I wear a suit is I just thought, before then I was wearing all manner of 
what I thought was it wasn't outlandish, remotely outlandish, but just anything like, oh, maybe I'll wear the polo neck tonight, and mm-hmm. sweating, mm-hmm. like an old man, you know, just dripping with sweat. And then you just go, actually, if I just buy a suit, that's quite, it's reasonably charismatic suits, a chalk stripe, not a pinstripe, and it's nice cut and things, mm-hmm. and it looks quite battered now. Mm-hmm. Then the, the, I never have to decide that. It looks quite it battered now. <laughs> yeah. No, I never have to think about it anymore. I've made that decision. So, but now I'm thinking, is that underselling me? Because if when you go on stage, people know what you're like mm-hmm. from the start. That's great, isn't it? You've already done... It's the same as having to throw away your first few lines so that you yes. go, oh, that's what the bloke's like. I suppose write everything down, always have a notebook, is my sort of fixation with, mm-hmm. because you just lose so many things otherwise, mm-hmm. or you think you have. You think, what a, that must have been a gem. It probably wasn't. Um, trying to have a, two hours is kind of... An hour and a half, two hours not trying anything less than that because otherwise if you do half an hour on something you, you, it takes you half an hour to get into something doesn't it so if you're yes. only ever doing the get into it stage yes. it's really discouraging because you go oh well I've come up with nothing I find and it you, takes me about an hour to get yeah. into it the first hour is always dross and I sit there all dispirited and unhappy and but d- determined to sit down and keep and get through it and I think I, I cut myself more slack now where I go that first bit isn't just nothing. It's you getting in the right frame of mind. Mm. So don't go, mm. well, as soon as you start, it's a bit like sitting in with other people and writing. As soon as you start going, oh, I've, I've, I've been doing 25 minutes and I haven't thought of anything yet, mm. then your mind is on, not on thinking of entertaining things or whatever things you're trying to think of. It's on the fact that you're worrying about that you haven't done it. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. And it's sort of, that's I, not what you're there for. So you're just not doing it. I wonder sometimes whether it's a, a, a confidence trick. That if you that maybe acts who are prodigious in output are so because they don't spend any time worrying about whether or not they're any good at it. Yeah, no, absolutely, I'm absolutely sure of that. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself uh, thinking that you might run out? Do you ever feel like it's a finite amount of stuff? Or I suppose with the you, you seem to work by kind of even in the descriptions of the jokes you were talking about before, you're shifting paradigms. You're going who, whose angle, who's looking at yes. this, who in in whose idea in whose mind out of the characters in this joke is this happening you've got to do, i think as an intelligent person you do do that don't you mm-hmm. and one of the things i think about all these sort of me not so much <laughs> <laughs> no but you, you probably do but you don't think it fits what you do so you don't bother pursuing it but, okay so like i i hate one of my pet hates i've never written anything about it because it's not very me it also just sounds a bit sort of jewish new york or something which isn't me but it's when i'm in a in a, a queuing up for a coffee which i have an espresso Mm. And someone's ordering this huge elaborate thing with syrups and mousses and stuff. And you kind of think, you don't have the guts to buy a pudding. So you've, you're, you're going, <laughs> I only had a coffee. But the fact is, when that's happening, the, the next level of that is being more, as objective as possible, which is really how you find peace in your life, isn't it? Is by being as objective as possible yes. and removing all the crap. Yes. The reason I'm angry with that person is because I didn't get up early enough and I'm now behind schedule and I'm... There's, other, there's some reason why I'm angry with someone, some piss-poor reason why I'm cross with someone. It's not about their coffee, though there will be a routine in that, a lazy routine about people in coffee shops buying fancy coffees, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but I haven't got the guts to write it. But the fact that at the end of the day, if that's the coffee they like, what does it matter? <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's a good point. But then if you oh, over-pursue it, you just go, well, 
in the end, we're all dead. Yeah. And that's what I'm holding on to. I think that can be reductive as well. One of the ways in which I find, one of the things I find very challenging about writing is that I, often I solve problems in my head rather than letting the problems yes. be there. What, yeah. what is the deal with so-and-so? And you think, well, the no. deal with that is that you have to do that because the council, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or something like, hey, traffic wardens, man. Well, if there weren't traffic wardens, then we wouldn't yeah. be able to park anywhere. And I find that I, I solve the problems rather than having an, an open field on going, But that's nice what though, is because that it about? feels like you'll never be in a situation where you're so insincere that you're up there saying things that you know are simply too uh, just mm. superficial. It's like when people tackle political stuff in stand-up. It's very difficult because they're often saying rabble-rousey things, a little bit Daily Mail probably, but mm. it, it gets a response because it's easy and politics and things like that aren't easy, are they? Do you ever write political jokes? Obviously, as someone that writes topical things, to what extent do they become <laughs> Only political? in a kind of... I just think that the world is so in trouble in the way things are structured, that it just isn't possible to convey anything but the most superficial talk about it. There's so many things wrong mm. with the way the world works mm. at that level. And the fact that all these idiots lap it up and just distracted by X Factor and all this fancy phones, which I fall victim to as well. And that's in a way the amusing thing is that you rail against something, but then it's, you realise... You're completely you're a part you're, of Yes, you're part, yeah. I suppose, because you're a person and you're just part of these patterns of human behaviour. Yeah. But it's just, you kind of think, that's so big, I could never sum that up in a kind of joke, you mm. know. Mm. So, what's the point, you know? I'd rather just... <laughs> ants? Yes. No, no. <laughs> With no, your phones? Well, a little bit, a little bit like that. But then they're ants, because I would behave like an ant as well. It's a bit like, yes. if we were in Nazi Germany, we would have not... If somebody gradually increased our responsibility for doing awful things... Ray, much as we might like to say we would never do it, we would have done it. If we were Rwandan in the, you know, mm. 90s or whatever, we'd have killed loads of people. Because you just, you're not anything, you're just, you're just one of them, aren't you? We just, we're just one of them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it! <laughs> so I've taken on a bit of a tangent. No, not at all, not at all. Um, I, uh, I like to do political stuff. There are people who do, you know, sort of George would, Carlings and yeah, people like that who, yeah. who can do interesting things that make you think more. I'm just not one of those. I would like to be, but I'm not. Sure, but yes. Sure. Do you? I, we've not got long left. How um, long do we have? Do you think? Like kind of three or four minutes. Okay. Um, if there's any, are there any burning issues you'd like to mention? Anything you'd like to talk about? There's a couple of other things I, I'd like to hear. I, I, I can't think of anything. Fine. No. Okay. We'll 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 whiz on. Um, do you ever? We're talking about the writing process. We'll do one last thing on the writing process. Or, oh, can I just say that? Just, go on. I need to just say when I say I sit there and it just comes out of me. I wasn't. I was just saying that I find that to be in the gear of coming up with angles and part-written jokes. Mm -hmm. Why break the flow when you're doing yes. it? No, I wasn't I totally, going, I just sit there and it comes out of me no, like no, some no. kind of amazing creative volcano. That's, I wasn't saying that. <laughs> that's totally clear. Okay. Um, I think the first show, your first uh, Edinburgh show, should be called Ants with Phones, and the second <laughs> one can be the creative volcano. Um, but but do, you, do you watch... Um, do you watch your... Sh do you record your stuff? Do I you listen back to I can't bear myself. Apart from the fact that I've aged, and when I look at an old passport, I think, you didn't know, but you were quite an attractive bloke. Oh. And I didn't know at the time. Yeah. And now I maybe have but more confidence But do you not think that now. you in the future will look back and go, look, you, you in the now... Do you know, you shouldn't say that because it just makes me think, how hideous will I be in the future <laughs> to have that opinion of what I look like now? Just like, so, but you and you don't listen to it. Listen to your gigs back. So, you, anything you remember to, to tweet jokes is just purely from memory. Yeah. From, from I just, I just can't feeling. bear. It. I can't bear it. Okay. Also, this sounds wrong, but when I started out, there were two or three acts who did that religiously, and they were all shit. Mm -hmm. I know there are plenty of acts who record themselves all the time and are great, but the three people I'm thinking of, I won't name names, mm -hmm. were very poor. And I thought 
doesn't seem to it be, be a winning tactic. No, I've mentioned Edinburgh there. Have you? I said your first Edinburgh show. Have you been up to I've Edinburgh? I've never at done. All? I've done sort of package shows and things. I've never had the balls to go up there. Was this is something we've talked about before? Because I want you to go to Edinburgh. But I don't I think... see the point. I, I, the fact is, I don't need to do all the jokes that I know work anyway. Yeah, I would need to come up with some big angle on the world, which I God knows what that is. What do I have got to say about it? You Hands know. with phones. Well, I know, but it seems rather mean-spirited. <laughs> you slow down and think rather about Rather mean-spirited, it. Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you've no opinion of Edinburgh, or, you, I think or your opinion is got, that it's not for you? It's got slightly out of hand, and I think, mm. you know, that maybe big acts shouldn't go up there and just strip the audience. I think, that's, I think there's too many people making money. Everybody says all this. Too many mm. people making too much money. And inconveniencing the process really. Mm-hmm. It should be a small fringe, smaller fringe thing without people at the conference centre and what sure. have you, which seems just like you might as well go and look at the tattoo, really. You know, because mm-hmm. they're going to come to your town before long anyway, aren't they? Sure. So finally, then to, to wrap this up, and thank you very so much. For, said, okay, for, the one thing on. I would say about it is it does make people they go, oh god, I've got to get a show together in six yeah, months. Yeah, and yeah. So that can't be. That's got to be. And it is, thing. and it's a month on the heavy bag, isn't it? You know, you're, yeah, you're yeah. trying in with dwindling numbers and maybe not yeah. dwindling, but small numbers. Dwindling would suggest. But then last, just to just to wrap things up, um, what kind of would you give what kind of advice would you give to uh, you when you were starting out now what's what what's, what wasn't as you expected it to be um, well it's slightly sadly I think you probably don't be so open you have to have a kind of slight veneer when you're when you're going around all these clubs when you're starting out mm-hmm. it, the tendency is to always apologize and undermine yourself to people who potentially could not just give you work, but without not about money, but it's about the chance to perform again. Mm. So I was forever running myself down and apologising for things, and sometimes you just hold back. They'll actually apologise for the audience or something. Don't mm-hmm. go, don't without realising it. Use language that says I'm a bit shit because mm-hmm. it implies you're a bit shit. And if people keep saying that, and that presumably goes for sort of apologising after a bad gig. I mean, how, yeah. how do you deal with that? Or how would you recommend a newer act deal with that? If you have a bad gig, you talk to the promoter, or do you run away? What's the best thing to do? Never ever do the, you know, we know people, the stupid bullshit thing where, you know, they always tell you that every gig they've done, they just rip the room apart and all this sort of stuff. Because it's all, it's ludicrous. You're working with these people for years on end. Yeah, of course. The idea that you can just be some fantasist is just absurd. So having a long-term vision to begin with and thinking, I'm going to be doing this for a while. Yes, or either going, yeah. I might even just enjoy, that's why I really like someone like Adam Bloom, because they just enjoy the process of performing live. They haven't gone, oh, where's my television break? Yeah. You know. You know, why am I on television all the time? So, no, I think acknowledge something's gone, go, oh, well, that wasn't so good, was it? You know, mm-hmm. and, but don't, maybe just don't talk to them that much. <laughs> get out of there, don't, yeah. don't let it get, you know, and actually think about why it didn't work and maybe it was down to some little tiny nuance at the very beginning that Being that honest with yourself about why it didn't yeah. work as well, that's a, a major one. But let's just finish on the note of doing it for the love of doing it. No, I think I that's think something. That's I think you come back to that after a few years. You kind of go, you have a, maybe you have a couple of years where you just don't really enjoy it and you resent going out. And then you sort of think, can I just tell you a little slightly heartwarming story? It's about half a minute long. Do it, do it. Last, I compared this regular gig in Northampton. It's about 10 times a year. It's a, lovely, it's a lovely gig as a rule, lovely gig. And there's a bloke there who's always been in the front row, this policeman with his son who's about 17. And he's always come and we chat occasionally. But then he sent me an email in the week because he got my address from out of the somewhere or other. And um, he was just saying about how he'd come 14, 14 years ago, his wife had two incredibly premature kids mm-hmm. that were all in incubators for sort of 24 hours a day. And he was like, continue, they're running around trying to control this situation. 
and he was really stressed. And a friend recommended, just said, go to this show. And he went along. And actually, Adam Bloom was one of the acts who was on. Mm-hmm. And he just said, it really just gave me two or three hours out of my troubles. And then he sort of said, he just listed all these acts he's seen over the years and how he, he you know, enjoyed seeing me every week, mm-hmm. every couple of weeks or every month or whatever. And he just said that, you know, you're doing it for the people like that sometimes just to, you know, mm. give them a good time, take them out of themselves. Mm. So it's quite, it was just really... That's know, lovely. Welling up sort of thing. got me right it there. It was, yeah. It yeah. Was, you know, they're not always drunken idiots, you know. Yeah. They're often just people you're entertaining, aren't they? Yeah. So they Ants with souls. <laughs> <laughs> the second show. Thank you very much, Dan Evans. You'll notice our audience has quadrupled since we started. All right. Uh, thank you very much for watching. Uh, please give, for watching and for listening. Please give a huge round of applause to the wonderful Dan Evans. Oh, right. <laughs> Thanks, team. Uh, this has been thank the Comedians you. Comedian Podcast. I've been Stuart Goldsmith, and uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't know what I'm supposed to say at the end yet. I'll dub it on. <laughs> What an incredible outro. Yes, that is exactly how it's done. Take note, all other performers in any kind of media. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Here's the clever thing. Here's a thing you can do for me. If you listen to this on iTunes, you can go onto the iTunes page and you can rate it. And apparently, if you choose to give it the five stars, I heartily believe in my heart that it's worth. If you give me five stars, apparently, if just a few people do that, it can make a real difference. I'll be in with a chance of getting it featured on iTunes, and obviously that means more people hear about it, and more people will listen to it, which doesn't mean anything in sort of financial terms, so probably it doesn't mean anything apart from my ego, but um, but that would be great. So rate it if you like, give me some feedback, doesn't have to be good, but the clever thing is, even if you don't like the show, you can still rate it five stars. It's entirely up to you. Uh, if you... The other thing, I was thinking a little stealth campaign, if you've enjoyed it, it would be really useful if you could just email a friend or two or if you know any comedians or any people that like comedy. Let's get networking about this, please. And uh, if you've enjoyed it and you know anyone you think would like it, please send it to them as well. I- I'm sort of finding this easier to market than than I do myself as a comic where you've got to go, hey, check me out. Because I-, I think I'm uh, having interesting conversations here. I think this is the sort of stuff I would be pleased for someone to tell me about. So I, I have no compunction, no qualms at all about telling you to get it out there. So please do. We're back in two weeks with Dan Antopolsky, who is, he's kind of like a wizard uh, when it comes to comedy. He's kind of, what's he like? He's got a linguistics background and he's going to be talking quite in depth about different ways of wrong-footing an audience throughout the, the, the metre of a joke and what things you can do to wrong-foot an audience and try and... You know what I mean? It's, it's like... Um, uh, no, you don't know what I mean, and I don't know what I mean. You'll have to listen to it. It's, it's a really fascinating conversation with an extremely clever and very funny man, and he's also going to be talking about uh, sketch comedy and his new sketch outfit, Jigsaw. So uh, look out for that in two weeks. And remember to tweet me your questions uh, and feedback at comcompod or email me info at stuartgoldsmith.co.uk. I'm sure by the next time we speak or I speak to you uh, that I will have an email address connected to the website, which is www.comedianscomedian.com. I've been pulling out all the stops uh, over the last fortnight and uh, making my friend Toby, who does my web stuff, uh, work very hard. So thanks to Toby. Thanks, of course, to Dan Evans. Thank you to Mark Rothman. Thank you to Pete Dobbing and Asher Trelevin for their creative contribution uh, and the sound guy on this episode was Tom Wateracre and also thanks to his delightful wife Sarah who was our only audience member the music was by Dan Melrose and uh, sound mastering and other technical doobries uh, are by my wonderful friend Graham Crockford thank you very much for listening back in two weeks with Dan Antopolsky I've missed you Goldsmith speak to you soon Hold up 
Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.